Today, we are in part three of our series called Pass It On, where we're talking about sharing our faith. And um, just to catch you up, if, if uh, it's been a while or maybe it's just been a long time since you know, a lot has happened in the last week, we started out in the first part of the series not talking about how we share our faith, but talking about why we share our faith. And we talked about the fact that we share our faith because, see, our faith isn't something that's kind of this mystical, mythical thing. Our faith is actually real. It's based on actual events in human history that took place, that there actually was a real historical figure named Jesus of Nazareth, who we believe made these claims to be God and then backed it up. And the soundbite from two weeks ago, if you were here, you remember, is that, listen, if there's anyone who can successfully predict his own death and resurrection and then can pull it off, that person deserves to be heard, okay? Because, because there's only one person in history that's ever done that, and that really is the, the claim or the proof of the claim that Jesus was God. And so when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, we may really struggle or wrestle with exactly what that looks like, but if Jesus is telling us to go and share our faith, then the reality is, then that's what we are called to do. So that was week one, and then in week two, we got into a little bit more of the how we share our faith, and we looked at a tool that we can use for sharing our faith, and that is by sharing our story, or sharing our testimony of how we came to faith in Jesus. And in a postmodern 21st century society that we live in, in a city like Washington, D.C., where it's live and let live, and don't tell me what to believe, and you do your thing, and I'm going to do my thing, the thing that speaks so powerfully is our own journey, our own story, what God has been up to in our lives. And so if you were here last week, you remember we actually carved out three minutes in the service with those three questions, right? The three questions, what was life like before you put your faith in Jesus? And then how did you come into a relationship with Jesus? And then what has life been like since you've been in a relationship with Jesus? And by the way, thank you for for tons of you sent me emails with your story, kind of taking a first step. And I just want to encourage you, if you're like, oh shoot, I forgot to do that, please just send me an email, Derek at trygrace.org with your story. It's a powerful tool that we can use to share our faith. So we, we ended the service last Sunday by saying, okay, well, that's a great tool, but do we just like walk up to a random person and say, hey, can I tell you a story? No, we don't do that. That's weird, okay? People, people are not going to be ready to hear our story if we do that. There, there's, there's a process that you have to go through to get there. And so really, what I want to talk about today is how do we begin a conversation about faith? How do we begin a conversation without it being really, really weird and awkward? You ever had a conversation that just began just awkwardly? It was just a bizarre, awkward conversation. I had one of those last summer. So last summer, uh, I went with my brother to uh, a Washington Nationals game, and it was actually my son, Timmy, who was six at the time. It was his first, first baseball game. So we go to this Nats game. It's like on a Saturday night. And um, man, it was a close game. We were playing the Orioles, and the Nats actually ended up losing, I think, in the 10th inning by one run. So for those of you who go to baseball games, you know what that means in terms of the crowds leaving the stadium, right? Everybody was hanging in because it was close. And so there was this mass exodus. Now, at this point, 
It's somewhere close to midnight, I think, you know, and I've got a six-year-old with me who was totally lasered in on the game until that last pitch and now is just completely exhausted. And so we're walking to the metro station and I'm thinking, man, how long is this going to take? So we're, we're at the metro station and it's just a sea of people. And one metro train goes by and man, there's like three people get on, you know, because it's so crowded. And then another one goes by and we can't get on and another one goes by. And I turn to my brother and I'm like, listen, the next train that comes, we're just going to make it happen. We're just, we're just going to get on. You ever been there in a situation where you're just like, just going to make it happen. I'm getting on this train. So, you know, the doors pull up and they line up just perfectly, like right in front of where we're standing. I've got my son, I'm holding him on my hip. Okay. Because he's just, he's just totally wiped out beyond belief. And I've got to, got to get him home. So, so the doors open. You ever had this experience in the Metro? The doors open and it's so jam packed that like people actually fall out. You know what I'm saying? You're laughing because it's true. I mean, it's, you've seen this, right? People actually like start to like spill out a little bit. And I just kind of made this declaration. I'm like, I'm sorry. I got a kid. We're coming in. Okay. So we're coming in. So I start to walk. Now I got my son on my left side. So I'm kind of leaning with my right shoulder and I see a little gap, just a tiny, tiny crease that I'm going for the gap. Okay. And so I lean my shoulder in and my brother's kind of like pushing me. You know, he's kind of like pushing behind me because we're just going, we're going in. We're getting on this train no matter what. Okay. So I go for the gap and I, as I lean in and I got my son who's pretty big on my, on my hip. And as I lean in, the, the little crack starts to close. And this, the guy who was on the one side, who was kind of standing like this, somehow he got turned a little bit. So now his chest is right where the gap used to be, but I've committed. <laughs> it's too late. So unfortunately, I, I happen to just lean right into this guy's chest, okay, with my shoulder, and he's just going backwards, and we're just going in. So we just barely get in. You know the squeeze you have to do? You like hold your breath so that the doors can close. So the doors close, got everybody in, me and my brother and my son. Whew, phew. All of a sudden, then I realized that like six inches from my face is this other guy's face who I just basically leaned into, right? And we're just standing there like looking at each other because there's just, you cannot even move. I mean, we were totally jam-packed in like sardines. And so it was incredibly awkward in that moment. And so I was like, okay, what do I say? You got to say something. It was just one of those, I had to speak. I didn't know what else to do. And so rather than say something smart, the only thing that came to me was this joke that, um, that when I was on our Haiti trip, we, we took it, we've taken several trips to Haiti with this church. And, um, one of the guys on our Haiti team had this joke that I just fell in love with. This is very, very clever. And so or at least I thought it was. So anyway, I just, the guys right, like literally were six inches from each other. You could like feel each other's breath, you know? And so I just look at the guy and I'm just like, you want to hear a joke? <laughs> dead serious. This is a dead true story. So he wasn't that big. So, you know, I wasn't like afraid. Plus if you were so jammed in, he couldn't have hit me if he'd wanted to because there were so many people. So I felt, okay. I said, you want to hear a joke? And he just kind of goes, Sure. So six inches from this guy's face, I'm like, what's a pirate's favorite letter? So he pauses for a minute thinking, and he's like, I don't know, R? And I was like, you thought it was R, but it's the C they love. It's it's so bad. It's good. So bad. It's good, right? And he laughed a little bit, you know, but... 
I mean, you talk about awkward. It was so incredibly awkward. And let me tell you, when it comes to conversations about our faith, isn't it awkward a lot of times? When we think about how do you broach the subject and how do you bring that up? What does that look like? How do we begin that conversation? Well, today, just like last week, we are going to take a look at arguably the greatest Christian ever at sharing his faith with other people. We are talking about the Apostle Paul. This is Paul of Tarsus. This is Paul who had the radical conversion to Christianity. This is the Paul that wrote much of the New Testament. And this is the Paul that started churches all across the Mediterranean rim. And so... Um, we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 17 today. If you have your Bible, we're kind of right in the middle, starting at about verse 16. And in Acts 17, Paul gives a famous speech. Now, he's got lots of things that he's said, lots of things that he's famous for. But it's a famous speech that he made in Athens in the Areopagus. And here's the thing about this speech and why it is so informative and instructive for us today when we're thinking about how do we share our faith, okay? It's a brilliant speech in terms of its content. In terms of its theology, it's great. But here's the thing about Paul. He was an unbelievable theologian. So everything that he writes, everything that he says, is just theologically, it is on point, okay? So that's not where the instruction comes from. It's not so much the content or the theology that we're looking at today. It's actually the approach Paul's approach is what I find so compelling for us as we think about how we share our faith with other people. And what's interesting here is that the brilliance in the approach actually happens several days before the speech takes place. And so we're going to pick up in Acts 17, verse 16, and it says this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... I want to pause right there. So here's the deal. Who's Paul waiting for in Athens? Well, Paul has been traveling all around. He's been telling everyone that he can about Jesus. And so he's actually waiting for some of his friends who are also followers of Jesus Christ. He's waiting specifically for Paul, I mean, for, for Timothy and for Silas. Now, what had happened was they were a little bit north of Athens in a city called Berea. And basically what Paul would do is he would go with this, this team of other Christ followers. And because Paul had grown up Jewish, he would go right into the synagogue and he would begin to have conversations with the Jewish people. And he'd say, listen, 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 here's the deal. This Jesus, you know, who's dead, he's actually the son of God. The Jews were waiting for a coming Messiah. The scriptures pointed to this Messiah, but they didn't believe that the Messiah could possibly be in a human form. And so they just couldn't see it. Well, Paul's trying to tell everybody, no, 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 Jesus is the Messiah. Well, here's the thing. Paul would stir up so much controversy, so much debate, and particularly among the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, they were so threatened because Paul was basically advocating a new way, a new way to understand God and a new way to a relationship with God, that basically he would get a, a city so stirred up that eventually they would be trying to physically take his life and he would have to flee from the city. He would have to escape. And so we don't exactly know from Acts 17 what that looked like, but all we know is that they got Paul the heck out of Berea before people could get their hands on him. And I don't know if Silas and Timothy were like rounding everybody else up, going to get the stuff from the hotel. I don't know what they were doing. Okay. But Paul's on ahead and, and he's going to be joined by his team. It was a team faith sharing approach. 
because it was so dangerous. So it says that while Paul was waiting for his buddies there in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, what you have to understand about Athens, okay, this is, this is the Roman Empire, but basically you've got this Greek city, which basically was like the capital of all like the philosophical thought, like all the great minds, all the great philosophers, all the great ideas and debates and discussions would all happen in Athens. It was like, it was like the capital for the ancient world of where all the cool philosophical and religious thoughts and ideas were coming from and being talked about. And so as part of this society, it was basically like they had all these idols, all these different gods and belief systems, and you know, it all just kind of converged in this polytheistic type of manner here in Athens. And so Paul, who now believes that there's just one God through Jesus Christ, is seeing all these idols, and he's, he's pretty disturbed by it. So it says that he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. Now, that was his custom. That was what he would do in every city. But then we see something new. We see something different that he's doing here. It says that he, as well, he reasoned in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there, those who weren't monotheistic in their theology, those who weren't in the synagogue, who weren't kind of praising Yahweh and worshiping Yahweh. Um, Instead, he was in the marketplace day by day, reasoning with those who happened to be there. Now, That word reason, if you go to the Greek text, what that word means is that Paul was having ongoing discussions. He was having ongoing conversations with the people in the marketplace in Athens. And so what this means is that over a series of days, Paul was getting to know the Athenians. He was getting to understand them and where they were coming from. He was getting to hear all their different ideas and where they stood in terms of philosophy and in terms of religion. And he was understanding what all these idols were about and what their belief systems looked like. He was just gathering all this intel as he was having these ongoing conversations and these discussions. Now, this is such an important point here in verse 17. Okay, we cannot miss this because this is actually where Paul's approach for his brilliant speech to the Areopagus was born. It was right here in this reasoning, in these discussions, in these conversations. And for those of you who are here and you've been in business school, or maybe you've just at least taken one business class at some point in your life, right? So you've had some, maybe one lecture on marketing. There is a paramount principle in marketing, right? Like if you forget everything else in marketing, this is like the thing that you never forget. And this is exactly what Paul's doing. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The the paramount principle is, yeah, I heard it. Know your audience. Know your audience, right? If If you don't know anything else about marketing, you've got to know your audience. Before you peddle your product, you gotta know your audience, And so basically, Paul here is just getting to know his audience because before he can share and figure out what is my angle for, you know, sharing my faith, I got to understand where where people are in terms of their faith. There's um, a verse in the Bible that I just love. It really captures today's message so well. It's found in the New Testament book of James, chapter 1, verse 19. And I just want to say, for those of you who don't know, so the writer of this book, James, was actually the brother of Jesus. And this is just a little tangent. But James, the brother of Jesus, do you know he didn't believe that Jesus was was the Son of God? 
Did you know that? All through Jesus' lifetime, he, he didn't believe. He did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God until Jesus was crucified. And then Jesus was resurrected and appeared to tons and tons of followers. And at that point, James came to faith in Jesus. I mean, and you can relate probably to James. I mean, what would it take for your own brother for you to think your own brother was the son of God, right? I mean, what would your brother have to do? He might have seen miracles, great teachings, whatever, but still, man, you can't possibly be. Then he saw like the the nail holes and all that stuff. Okay, okay, we're good. So this is James who then I'm guessing furiously was recalling in his mind all the things that his brother had said and taught. And so he's writing, he's writing to Christians. And this is what the first chapter in verse 19 says. And this is really the only fill-in for today. It's actually right there in the Bible verse. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, this sounds incredibly basic, but let me tell you something. When it comes to sharing our faith, this is so incredibly powerful. Who here remembers the seven habits of highly effective people? You remember that book? I think we got a picture of it up there, right? It's 25th anniversary of that book coming out, by the way. Um, Chief Executive Magazine called The Seven Habits the most influential book of the 20th century. And Forbes called it one of the top 10 most influential management books ever written. Now, for those of you who remember, Stephen Covey goes through these seven habits of highly effective people. And one of my favorite habits is habit number five, which really, he, I mean, he's just, he's just talking about this principle of being quick to listen and slow to speak. Because habit number five says this, seek first to understand, and then what? And then to be understood. Seek first to understand, and then to be understood. It seems pretty basic, right? But here's what Covey found out. Most people don't do that. Most people first seek to be understood. That's really what we want. We want, we really desperately want people to understand us. That's our kind of our human nature. And then later we'll kind of, we'll understand. Once you understand me, then I'll, then I'll be real free to understand you. And I think this happens at a very, very young age, very young age. In fact, I don't know if you guys have seen the YouTube clip that went viral with the little three-year-old who uh, I guess had like taken some cupcakes, like snuck some cupcakes, and his mom, whose name is Linda, is basically confronting this, this, this three-year-old, and she's trying to explain to him that you can't do that, and she's trying to talk to him. Okay, we've actually got this clip, so if you haven't seen it, let's, let's roll the first minute of this. Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like everything they do at this house, it can touch everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. Linda, but listen to me. Look at if we do something, if you get that out, that bird thing off, you're gonna break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot. No, I'm. Look at, look at. You're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Linda, listen, listen to me listen now. To me. 
we had to cut him off. He goes for like three minutes. It's, it's, at one point he says, Linda, honey, honey, listen to me. Now, we're, we're laughing about this. But the truth is, there's a part of us, we relate to this, don't we? Because we really, at a wiring level, we first seek to be understood. We want everyone to listen, listen, listen to me, right? And then we're going to listen to you later. And what Covey discovered was that only highly effective people first seek to be understood. I'm sorry, seek to understand. (laughs) That's a Freudian slip, Freudian slip. And then to be understood. And so it really goes back to James 1.19, that everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, I want to tell you that if you just go, at, like, forget, forget even sharing your faith, okay? But if you just want to look at this principle of being quick to listen and slow to speak, and you just want to kind of apply this broadly, check this out. If you go online and you just type in, like, how, how to be popular, Okay, how to have a lot of friends, or you read some of those books, you know there's, there's a common principle basically on all these websites and through all these books, and you know what that is? That if you, if you want to be well-liked, you want a lot of people around you, you know the number one thing that you can do? Just be quiet. Just be quiet. If you take an interest in other people, hey, where are you from and what do you like to do? And then when they tell you what they like to do, you say, oh, tell me about that hobby. That sounds so interesting. And tell me more about that. And what you'll find is, and you, Google it for yourself, okay? But this is hilarious. People love to talk about themselves. We love to talk about ourselves. And so here's the funny thing. People will be like, man, I just love this guy. He's amazing. It's like, well, what's so cool about him? I don't even know him. I don't even know anything about him. But I, every, I just want to be around this guy because he makes me feel so good. What's going on here? That person's just letting the other person talk about themselves. You, you can be like the world's most boring, socially awkward person. And if you're just good at being quick to listen and you're just getting people to talk about themselves, you'll have millions of people who love you. They won't have any idea why they love you or anything about you. But if you're just quick to listen and slow to speak, this, this is amazing. And actually, this was backed up by a, a Harvard University study that was done two years ago, where they actually did some research, and they had, um, they had a group of people who they just got to talk about themselves. And they had, there was a neurological thing, that, you know, they strapped up all the stuff. And, um, and what they found was that the, the pleasure center in the brain, like the reward center that goes off and we like eat good food or, you know, all those different things. So th- when people are talking about themselves, the reward center is just going crazy. We love to talk about ourselves. It's just, it's just one of those things. So when you think about sharing your faith, if you want to garner some influence, just be slow to speak and quick to listen. Now, for some of you who are here today, I, I came here just with a, with a word for you today. You're, you're trying to figure out, man, how could my marriage just be a little bit better? How could my relationship with this friend that's just been difficult lately be better? How could my relationship with my boss just be, I'm really struggling, I've been praying about this. Okay, I got a word for you. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. That that actually might be the number one thing that you could do here today. Are you really seeking first to understand or are you really seeking first to be understood? So that was just free right there, okay? Um, But on on a very serious note about this idea 
of being quick to listen when it comes to our faith. I want to tell you a little personal story. So when I was in college, um, I had a friend, and he and I were very, very close, and we'd both grown up in church, but then we'd fallen away. Well, he had this amazing experience with God, and, um, and he came on fire for God in his faith as a Christian, and he wanted the same for me, which was, I mean, it was very admirable, and I, and I, I love that about him. But there was one little problem. So he saw some of the ways that I was living my life. And now for him, he realized that that wasn't how God wanted him to live. And so he saw some of those things in me and he just felt like as, with as much love as he could, he, he was started calling out the things that I was doing and just saying, man, that's just so not good. That's not right. You know how God feels about that. And that's, you know, that's just, this is not a good thing. And he was trying, he was trying, but you know, he made one, he made one major mistake. He wasn't quick to listen. You see, what he was doing was he was just assuming that my belief matched his belief, right? There's a little principle. Belief always drives behavior. Every single time, belief always drives behavior. If you want to know why someone's behaving a certain way, it's because of what they believe. And so the problem was he was looking at my behavior, but I didn't believe. That was the thing. I wasn't living in a way that a follower of Jesus should live because I did not believe necessarily. I didn't believe that Jesus was God. I didn't believe that the Bible was this inspired word of God and it was authoritative in my life like he did. And so instead of really trying to be quick to listen and find out where I stood in terms of my belief, he wasn't. Instead, he was just pointing out things and he was talking. So this principle is so important. We cannot assume. We must ask we got to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, let's get back to Paul, okay? Because Paul has been in these conversations, in these discussions. He's been reasoning day after day after day, getting to know the Athenians. And so, as a result of all these conversations that take place, we're now down in verse 18 and 19, it says that this group of people who were these philosophers, they came to him and they said, you know, we want to know more about this. And so they bring him to a meeting of the Areopagus. Now, let me try and explain what a meeting of the Areopagus is. The Areopagus was this council that would meet. Whenever there was some sort of a new philosophical idea, whether, whatever there was like a new religious type of thing that was happening, they actually had a council in Athens. That's how seriously they took this stuff and loved to talk about it. And Areopagus also was the name of this massive rock, I think we've got a picture of it, that overlooked the city of Athens. And they would actually go up there and this council would meet and then they would have presentations of these new ways of thinking and believing and different uh, ideologies and things like this. And check out the view. Just look at that. That's the view from the top of the Areopagus. That's pretty sweet right there. So um, they brought him to this meeting and they said, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. So Paul's all this reasoning, all this discussion, all this listening that he's done has finally paid off. And so it says in verse 22 that Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and he said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim 
to you. Now, we're actually not going to go any further into Paul's speech, but the opening is so telling, and here's why. Because Paul did all that work, having those conversations, getting to know the people of Athens, he was able to find his angle. He was able to find his hook, to find his opening for sharing his faith with them. And so basically he's like, look, I know that you guys are all religious. You're, you're so into these things and you have all these idols. And ah, I've even found one that you don't even know. Like they were just covering their bases. Like just in case we forgot one, here's the tomb for an unknown God. And, and he's like, boom, there we go. I'm in. And then he, he commences this, this beautiful theological speech that you can feel free to read on your own. It's, it's, it's pretty good. But because he reasoned, you see, he had his angle. And in fact, later on, in his speech, he actually quotes some of the well-known expressions that the Athenians would have been familiar with in their day. And he quotes one of their poets and something one of their poets says as he makes his case for the one true God through Jesus Christ. So I have like a little, it's a little expression maybe to help you remember today. And it's a little bit hokey. So just just bear with me. I'm just warning you, you may hate it, but it might stick with you and you might actually remember it like you know, weeks down the road when you're about to have that conversation with someone and you're trying to figure it out. Okay, here we go. Open your ears and you'll know where to steer. It wasn't too hokey, I guess. Open your ears and you'll know where to steer. If we are quick to listen and we're slow to speak and we just lean in and we get to know that other person and we're just praying, God, just show me, just show me, just show me, you will know where to steer, but you've got to open your ears. You've got to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So um, a while back, I had uh, somebody who found out that I worked for a church, and this person came to me, and they said, okay, um, what does your church believe about homosexuality? And it wasn't one of those like friendly questions, you know what I'm saying? Hey, what does your church believe about homosexuality? No, no, it was like, what does your church believe about homosexuality, right? Huge question. Now, I had no idea what was going on with the person who asked me that question. I, had, I, I didn't know if that person was gay. I didn't know if that person had a loved one who was gay. I didn't know if that person was just wondering or speculating. I had no idea. And here's the thing. Whenever there's a what, there's always a why. Behind every what, there's always a why. And my goal when I got that question was to try and figure out, okay, why is this person asking this question. I need to try and understand and have some sort of a frame of reference for why this person just sprung this question on me. Sure, I could have been quick to speak, right, and slow to listen. And I could have just said, hey, well, okay, here's the deal. But instead, what I did, and I want you to think about this, okay, the next time someone, you feel like maybe someone's putting you on the spot, are you being quick to, quick to speak or are you being quick to listen? So basically what I did was I just turned the question back around as, as much as I could just to deflect it. I just said, well, what do you believe about it? Now, a lot of times when you have someone who's coming in with a question, they've been thinking a lot and they're, they're ready to actually talk. Okay? Their question, they actually want to speak. So I just, I just kind of, you know, just tried to redirect. And man, this person just started going off about the church 
and about all this judgment and condemnation, and it's all about what the church is against, and the church hates this, and it was just, I mean, we were just opened up just a, just a, just a firestorm. And so I'm just sitting there, and I just start asking questions, and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Well, I, I come to find out this person just has an incredibly, just terrible view of the church. And they're quoting some relevant examples of things where the church has just blown it. The church has just messed up. But here's the thing, you guys. Here's the thing. That question about homosexuality, that wasn't actually the big, that wasn't actually the big question for that person. It was more about, actually, this person was like, I'm trying to figure out, I feel like maybe I'm supposed to start coming to church but I don't want anything to do with, with the church if the church is kind of how it's been painted for me as an outsider. I've never been on the inside. And so basically, I just opened my ears, and I, I knew where to steer. After they talked for a good long while, I just said, listen, I just want you to know that all those things that you talked about about the church and, and how hateful and how judgmental and how just awful, I said, that's not the way Jesus intended for his church to be. It's just, it's just not. And I'm so sorry. I said, you know, the church is full of people who, you know, aren't perfect. The only thing that's perfect is Jesus and, and his message of love and forgiveness and grace and his truth. And so basically, just by being quick to listen and trying to turn that back around and understand the why that's behind the what— I was able to kind of find out exactly where this person was. It's, it's not always about giving that quick answer, okay, when you're, when you're sharing. We're all, and, and here's the good news. We're all terrified of that question, aren't we? Or other questions like it. We're all terrified of how we would answer it. Or how about suffering? Or, you know, I mean, just pick one of those big, hairy questions that you just don't even want to touch with a 10-foot pole. And the, re- and the reality is, you probably shouldn't until you get to know the person that's asking the question. Open your ears, and you'll know where to steer. See, the reality was, and, and this is what I, I hope sticks with you today. The reality is this. When, you're, when, when you just feel the sense that, that you're about to engage in that conversation about deeper spiritual things, but you have no idea how to, how to broach that or what to do, here, here's the main point. You have to earn the right to be heard. You can't just start talking. You have to earn the right to be heard. Okay, we live in a country where we have freedom of speech, okay? And God bless America for that, all right? We, we can say whatever we want, but it doesn't mean anyone's going to hear us, does it? The right to be heard is something that we earn by being quick to listen and slow to speak. I want you just to imagine with me for a second. If we all, every single one of us in this room, if we all just took James 1.19, this principle of being quick to listen and slow to speak, and if we just took it and for the next month, we just applied it to every relationship, every situation, our, imagine what your circle of influence would look like. First of all, you'd be way more popular. Okay, we've already kind of covered that. People love to talk about themselves. If you, if you just decided, I'm going to be quick to listen. I am going to seek first to understand. And then I'm going to worry about being understood later. If we all did that, just imagine the kind of influence that you would have. I'm telling you, you just do this one thing, it will blow your mind. People are like, what's wrong with you? 
What's happened to you? All of a sudden, you'll just be taking an interest in people. And I'm telling you, you will earn the right to be heard. If you just do that, and then you just say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do this one thing. I'm just going to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And God, I'm just going to be sensitive to whatever you say to me. I'm going to open my ears, and I'm just going to trust that you're going to show me where to steer the conversation. I'd love for you to try that. We must be quick to listen. Now, um, we are going to close our service today with communion. So I'm going to ask those who are on our communion team to go ahead and grab the elements and, and take your places. Now, while they're doing that, I just want to give you guys a little heads up of what's happening as we close out this Pass It On series in week four. So we've talked about a real practical tool that you can put in your toolbox, okay? This idea of sharing your story and how that speaks in a postmodern world. Now, we've today... We've talked about this principle of being quick to listen and earning the right to be heard by other people. But let me just tell you something. Sharing your faith is not a one-size-fits-all thing, okay? There's not one particular style that, that everyone's kind of got to get on board with. And we've all got to be these like super outspoken uh, extroverts who get out there and, you know, we look like Paul and, you know, oh, this is all building and then I'm going to make this impassioned plea for Jesus, okay? It, it, there would be some of us like that, but a lot of us won't. There's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to sharing our faith. But this is the good news. There's many different styles. So next week, we're going to talk about a a million different styles for sharing our faith. We're going to look biblically through a ton of different examples. And we're just going to, everyone's going to try and find their own style in that. And, um, And then we're going to close out the series by giving everybody a super easy thing that you can do to share your faith. That every single one of us in this room could do. So I hope that you guys will tune in next week. But... For now, we are going to close this service with, um, with communion. And um, just so you guys know what, what communion is, can I borrow that from you? Thank you, Dave. So communion is actually the celebration of God taking an interest in us. So this sermon is really about us taking an interest in other people, right? It's about us being quick to listen and slow to speak and taking an interest in other people. Well, God took a genuine interest in us. You see... The truth is that God wasn't just content to remain in the heavenlies somewhere, but God actually took on human form in the person of Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show us how to live, and then took on all the sins that have ever transpired in the history of the world, including mine and including yours, and he took those all upon himself. He was without sin, but he took on all the sin of the world and he died on a cross as a payment for all the sins, all the judgment in the world so that through forgiveness in him, we could be made righteous in the eyes of God. It's not by anything that we do. It's only by what God has done for us through Jesus. This is God's grace to us. And so communion is a celebration of that forgiveness, of that grace. And so when we take the bread, this Jesus said this symbolized his body. He actually took bread with his disciples the night before he was arrested and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And we take that bread and we dip it in the cup. Okay, don't try and drink the cup because that gets weird, okay? So just don't, don't do that because you'll be wrestling with, the, with, with our communion team and that's not cool. So just dip it, dip it in the cup. Jesus said, this 
is my blood that is poured out for you. And so what we're doing when we celebrate communion is this, we're actually doing something that symbolizes what Jesus has done for us. A communion is open to everyone at Grace who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, died for their sins. So um, that's what we do, and we're going to invite you. The, the team is going to play a song, and, um, and you just feel free to, to come as you'd like up and receive communion. So why don't we say a word of prayer? And then, um, and then we'll receive communion and sing the last song. Lord God, uh, we just want to say thank you for, um, for this example to us of how we share our faith in the 21st century today in Washington, D.C. God, um, forgive us for those times where we just desperately seek to be understood. We were just like, listen, listen, listen to me. God, and we just forget this basic powerful principle of being quick to listen and slow to speak. God, for those of us who just here just need to apply this principle broadly in our relationships, God, put that person on our heart right now and the next few conversations we have, just shut our mouths, hold our tongue. Let us seek to understand that person who's frustrating us or that we're just feeling tension around. Help us to really understand them, God. And Lord, as we wrestle through just a tough series about sharing our faith and what that looks like, God, let us really, really be quick to listen, to seek first to understand people, and just to trust God that if we open our ears, you'll show us where to steer. God, we thank you so much. And above all these things, we just thank you for what you have done for us, for your body, for your blood that was shed for us, so that through faith in Jesus, we would have forgiveness and we'd have eternal life. God, so we just come forward now to receive that and to remember and to thank you for all you've done. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.